Welcome all to another episode of Ya No No Ya. We gather here today to talk about Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass, which of course we go into many spoilers for the show, so if you want to avoid those spoilers then check out the timestamps in the description of the episode where you can also find the link trees to all of our social medias and the link to support the show through Patreon if you want to help out. We appreciate it a lot and we hope you guys enjoy the episode, so let's get into it. topic i had a little glass of wine with me a little glass of what is wine or well i can't say what it could be because i'd be spoiling it all i'm drinking is coffee Mm -hmm. i never drink wine like ever i've been starting lately just because i have all the health apparently there's a bunch of health benefits to it so i've been kind of uh trying to get more accustomed to wine and i'm i'm acquiring the taste slowly I, I love it. I love a good red wine. Red wine is delicious. White wine tastes like fucking mm-hmm. piss, though. Fuck white wine. Yeah, red wine's better. It just is. It's so yummy. So how 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 we doing, boys? Welcome to another podcast episode. Same old man. Just same old stuff. Just working. The only thing that's new is I've uh, I've actually been breaking out the guitar. I'm finally playing the guitar again. Mm-hmm. That's Hell something yeah. I'm trying to get back into, yeah. For the longest time, I wasn't playing it because I was so worried about my neighbors, you know? And you can't play an electric guitar without an amp. That's just, there's no point to it. So I finally plugged in my headphones to the amp and realized I could just play that <laughs> way and I can hear what I... I don't know why I never did that. I don't know why it took me that long to just plug in the headphones. So it's uh, about the best it's going to get right now. Just, there's nothing worse than forgetting... Like, forgetting a song that you used to know how to play and having to relearn it, that's just depressing. So I'm really trying to relearn a lot of the stuff because I haven't played them forever. For me, once you get, like, the first note, like, it all comes back. For me, at least. Mm. Little, little bit of, you know. I mean, Oh, what yeah. was that note? But, you know. Yeah, I I'm, I remember a lot of it, but uh, it's just going to take me some time. But, yeah, just, uh, that's all I've really been up to, trying to get back into that. Blessings upon you. Blessings <laughs> yes. upon you, Father. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> brother. Whatever. Amen. I don't fucking know. <laughs> There's not too much new with me. Uh, interview dates like a week away, almost, pretty much. So oh yeah. Like, Ooh. Nervous <laughs> and stressed, and yeah, should be all good. I've just got a lot of documents I need to print off, which is uh, very much a hassle. Sitting around working, catching up on reviews and stuff. I finally caught mm. up on like every review I've like needed to do. So I'm like free and clear now i can watch movies but i just nice. haven't yet work pretty much just work been gaming a bit that's about it <laughs> nothing mm. nothing else to really say or ponder well ponder yeah. this there's a new sound in the soundboard just no fucking oh, way shit. no fucking way <laughs> oh shit oh my god is this an exclusive Gotta, it's like christmas it every time i think tenet was like phenomenally directed no was- <laughs> get it off get it off <laughs> I no. have to. <laughs> get, get it you out of there. You give me that. I need it. Like, oh, I remember that because he didn't even mean to say Tenet. That's great. Yeah, he meant to say Oppenheimer. No, it's like whenever we disagree with like something Keelan says, we can just That's true. bring that up. Yeah. That's true. That's uh, what's, We what's forever have point? leverage on him. No, you uh, don't. <laughs> I feel sad now. I'm leaving. Who's going to defend Tenet? Well, I would. But <laughs> <gonna> <laughs> I mean... 
This is my official statement. Tenet is a bad movie, but Christopher Nolan brought it back with Oppenheimer. That's not getting soundboard clipped. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, shout out patrons. 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 Yeah, thanks. Thanks to all of our patrons starting off with Kath at Kath Fernway. Thanks, Kath. Thank you, being Kath. A patron. Thank you, Kath. Uh, thanks, Julia. Moving underscore, underscore, underscore pictures. That's too many underscores. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Julia. And thank you, Sarah's underscore popcorn underscore chat. <laughs> Misleading. What was? What if this is somebody's first episode <laughs> they're listening to? They wouldn't find the account. Well, yeah, they should have listened uh, from the first episode or else, you know, yeah, they'd the miss point. all the banter. <laughs> and thanks, Ardor Film. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Ardor Film. Thank you, Luna Pearl, Liam's mother. <laughs> Thank you, Graham, Quinn's brother. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Why do we always sound so sad when talking about patrons? <laughs> I don't know. It's because the start of the episode is it's always start, like, yeah. it's the rise of our, and then we... We haven't hit our peak energy yet. It was a long day at work for me, too. That's also why I'm drinking the wine. Not just because it's Midnight Mass related, but it was a... God, it was actually a stressful day at work. I'm not going to lie. But it's over now. Before I forget, poll results. I'll go to the 2023 wrap-up episode. I asked people... I gave a bunch of different options, and I said... Because that was our yearly wrap-up episode. I said, what did you focus on the most in 2023? And I gave either mu- uh, movies, music, books, gaming, me. life, other, just all the different... Yeah, me. Um, <laughs> Liam. <laughs> you focused on Liam the whole year. And yeah, so 50% of the people said music, and the other 50% said movies. I was like, it's... a curveball there, but all right. I know, I know. It's... I wanted books and other. What would other have been? Gooning. People <laughs> Vote more, people. Yeah, vote more. Uh, what we've been watching and stuff. I'll get us started with my well, second most recent watch, I guess now. But I watched the Iron Claw. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the the wrestling movie. It was oh my god, I I cried, cried a lot. Wasn't it? <laughs> it was, wasn't it good? <laughs> it oh, was man. it was phenomenal. I fucking loved it. Um, it's it's not perfect for me yet. Like I think there are a few issues I have with it, mainly in terms of presentation. I feel like maybe it could have been a bit more interesting. Like I felt like. It was shot a bit too standard, where it just felt like it was kind of shot reverse shot, and the blocking felt kind of, just kind of felt generic. But I feel like for the story, it was fine because the story is the main hook of the film, and the story is just so unbelievably just a real fucking tragedy. And mm-hmm. the way they told it, it had so much respect in it, and you could feel the love for like, especially the brothers in it, like the empathy like the filmmakers had for them. I. I it's shown through the screen. Like, Zac Efron, my fucking god, oh that my god. I, I... I'll never doubt that man again. He was fucking... He carried that movie. Like, oh yeah, my god. Best the, the performance of his life. I can't think of anything that would come close, but, like, I <laughs> never expected to see, like, that level of performance from him because he was genuinely just, like... He was heartbreaking and so believable in it, especially as the film went on. Just, like, everything weighing on him. You could really feel it, like, through his performance, and I fucking loved that. Mm-hmm. The rest of the performances as well were great. I loved Harris Dickinson. I loved uh, Jeremy Allen White. Uh, the father in it, though, I fucking loved that guy. You don't love the character, but but the character's the, kind the, of an asshole, but the guy was good kind of, at playing but, an asshole, yeah. The entire cast was fantastic, and, yeah, I 
for the first half of the movie, it's like, hell yeah, dude's rock. The last half is just like, oh fuck, yeah, it's, it's, it's heavy, it's fucking heavy stuff. Yeah, um, 9 out of 10 for me personally, I really, really loved it. It's definitely up there as one of the best of last year. Same score for me, 9 out of 10. I don't know, yeah, same here though, like, after watching that, I don't know if you can go back so soon. Because it, it, it does take a lot, a lot out of you out of by you. the end yeah. of it. Yeah. I watched some Best Picture nominees in preparation, I guess, for the Oscars. Uh, I watched Anatomy of a Fall. And it was, uh, it was good. I, I, I don't think it should win Best Picture after watching it. I, I didn't think it was, like, the strongest out of all of them. But Sandra Huller, I think is her name, uh, she was great. If she won Best Actress, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even like, dispute it. Like, she she probably earns it. Other the downside to it, though, it was a bit too long. Like, scenes really drag out. And it's, like, a it's a full-on courtroom drama. So, like, you have to be in the mood for a, a very talky meticulous fucking courtroom drama it was good though i gave it a 7 out of 10 like I, I i don't feel like going back and watching it again it was but it was a good one-time watch so it was solid so i guess give it a shot if you want i listened to antichrist superstar by marilyn manson i guess <laughs> like marilyn manson i never really saw myself getting into him that much because i find him to be a bit of a piece of shit as most people <laughs> yeah. probably should yeah um, separating the art from the artist the music is good the first two albums they didn't really give me that much that i wanted aside from maybe a few tracks but this one was the one where it like really started to actually get like great and it makes sense why it's like probably his most popular album from what i've heard i really liked irresponsible hate anthem and kinderfeld and tourniquet those are like such good songs it is a bit overlong though i think an hour and like 15 minutes or something like that most 90s industrial albums are that long and they're like man you don't need to be this long i would probably give it like a seven or an eight out of ten right now i'll go with a game i i, I beat a game recently i beat yakuza like a dragon which took me 75 fucking hours to finish <laughs> but it was oh it was phenomenal it's probably one of the fucking best games i've ever played in my life it was life-changing for me honestly because i think i talked about it a bit on the 2023 wrap-up episode because i started yeah, playing it around then but yeah i finally finished it and it just gave me everything that i could ever want out of a game like even i i don't like turn-based combat it changed my opinion on turn-based combats. I hate JRPGs. It, turn it fucking changed my opinion on JRPGs. It's so compelling, but the nature of the the world that it's in is so goofy, but they somehow keep it fucking well-balanced that you don't have a problem with, like, you know, giving in to, the, like, the serious nature of the story, and I love that about it. I love how it can just toy with those fucking tones just masterfully like i said 75 hours it took me to beat and i loved every hour of it it never felt overlong and yeah it's probably one of my favorite games of all time at this point i can't recommend it enough even for people like me who didn't like fucking turn-based combat or jrpgs it's fucking great if you have the time to sink into a game like that you know Yakuza Like a Dragon, 10 out of 10. One of my favorite games of all time at this point, I think. Well, moving on to, uh, like I said, I was watching Best Picture nominees, and I watched American Fiction, which I loved way more than I thought I would. I was not expecting this movie, honestly, to be that good. 
The trailer looked a bit kind of cringe to me. I, I just was not expecting to like it. It was really, I thought it was funny. I thought it executed, executed its satire and its uh, social commentary well. I didn't think it did too much or did too little. I liked the characters. Yeah, it was just a really surprising watch and it kept me engaged pretty much the whole time, so. <laughs> didn't really like it. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm argue. Not gonna die, I, I'm not gonna I, die I, in each the other. of American fiction, but like, you know, it's, I, I, I definitely viewed it differently, I guess. Fight, in terms fight, of its, fight. Uh, <laughs> Shut up, you little fucking shit. Okay, L Quinn, this is why you're wrong, okay? Yeah, it sucks go. and you're stupid. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm gonna do? Pull this out. I think oh, ten no. of like, <laughs> oh, right. That's no. my that dude. That's oh, the fuck. get out of jail free card. Trump card. <laughs> yep, it is. Slap that down. It's old reliable. I'm off the cast. I'm off the cast. <laughs> Just wasn't a fan of how I I I thought it was a good movie overall, but the two central plot lines they never quite met for me. You know, it's probably my f least favorite best picture nominee of the ones Ooh. I've seen. 5 out of 10 for me personally. Damn. Uh, I listened to an album called Diamonds and Freaks by Black Odyssey. To my surprise, it was actually quite good. I really, like, hated this guy's debut album, but this was um, his second one, and it was, like, a very obvious improvement, in my opinion. It's, like, 49 minutes long. Quite a lot of variety to it, I think, in terms of the music and stuff, because, I mean, the rapping feels like relatively generic but the music around it is really kind of unique a lot of the time and it honestly felt similar in production to flying lotus like i'm not just tying it back to the last episode but <laughs> like in, in some of the production it sounds quite similar in my opinion miss sweet tea is a fucking great song honeysuckle neckbone is an awesome song yeah what a there name. are a lot of good ones yeah <laughs> what a name <laughs> yeah Adam's i, I would list. recommend just like listening to this one if you don't have that mm -hmm. much interest in listening to his first one but if you want to go right ahead this one was actually really impressive i quite liked it it's not perfect for me right now or anything but i'd probably give it like a seven check it out it's good i'm gonna go with a bit of a weird one i think it was probably the most obscure film i've watched in like the past month or so um it's a film called simone um directed by andrew nickel who's directed stuff like fucking he directed gattaca lord of war but he also directed in time and the host not the Bong Joon-ho yeah. host film, the one with Saoirse Ronan. And it stars oh, Al Pacino. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's about a producer who's looking for a hit film. But all his actresses keep dropping out. Like, the film opens with um, Winona Ryder, who I think she plays herself in it. She, like, quits a movie or whatever. And he's like, oh, fuck, I don't have a lead actress now. And I forgot how exactly, but then he comes across an artificial intelligence actress who he can insert into all these movies and she becomes like an international sensation interesting it's not <laughs> a good movie but it was so fascinating to me because it came out in 2002 and it's way ahead of its time in terms yeah. of like how <laughs> you know it's relevant today it was it was right about a lot of things it's just like oh yeah shit this is actually happening now and it's like treated as a joke in the movie and it's like oh wow. shit fuck where did it all go wrong <laughs> like i said it's not the best movie ever um it it's quite flawed but it's it's so entertaining that i think it's it's very much worth a watch especially because it is 
it has some kind of un unintentionally funny elements. It has some genuinely funny elements because it is also a comedy at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's a really fucking interesting movie and I find myself thinking about it a lot since I've seen it. And Al wow. Pacino's great. He's genuinely great. And I love watching Pacino in anything. And then there's, there's also fucking Catherine Keener in it, who I like very much as well, and a couple of other people. Like, a lot of recognizable faces that are just like, oh, I didn't know he was in it. And he was. Mm. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. Um, I'd give it a, a 6 out of 10, but in my heart, it's kind of like a 9 out of 10, maybe, because I've <laughs> thought about it a lot. <laughs> I, I looked it up on Letterboxd, and only two people that I'm following have seen it. You and Mike Flanagan. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> what are we talking about today? Mike Flanagan has seen it. He has a Letterboxd account. <laughs> so, that's uh, ironic. What are the odds? Oh, that's funny. It's not the last best, best Picture nominee I had left. I still have one more left, I think, to watch. I watched Past Lives because we got it at our theater for a week. Yeah, I'm glad I got to see it on the big screen. Not that it's a movie you have to see on the big screen. You definitely don't have to, but I loved it. It was amazing, but it was kind of exactly what I expected it to be in the end. Like, you watch the trailer and it's like, okay, I know what type of movie I'm getting in into. But it was great throughout the whole thing. Like, the performances were great. The technically, like, everything about it, it was made so well. And you kind of, you just, you really do fall in love with the characters. Like, there was no character I hated. I kind of loved almost everybody in, like, a different way. And, mm -hmm. uh... Yeah, it was just a nice, refreshing, little, simple, but cute, little drama, kind of romance movie, but kind of not. I gave it a 9 out of 10, so it, it's worth the hype. I think it lived up to the hype for me. I don't think I'd call it cute. That last half an hour kind of fucked me up. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's cute, like, <laughs> the first half, I would say, is kind of cute. And then it's like, yeah, this is pretty sad. I I'd agree with you. I I'd agree with you, though. I, I really like how mature it is in terms of it how is. it discusses like it's central the central romance of the movie i think it's really fucking really well handled and yeah like you said it's great all around great tactical great tech yeah. uh, fuck me <laughs> uh yeah directed very well the fucking cinematography was great greta lee yeah. was fucking fantastic oh my I gosh loved her I, I loved her it. yeah uh, and yeah, the guy, I don't know what else I've seen him in, the main actor, but he was great too. I he was fantastic too. I also give it a 9 out of 10. And it's just a great directorial debut too. Like, this is this woman's, like, first movie, so it's a great first movie too. I'll finish it off with this one. Um, yesterday on Valentine's Day, me and Julia decided to rewatch The Day After Tomorrow. She hadn't seen it though. Mm. It's still just a fun movie. I gave it an 8 out of 10 this time around kind of just one of those movies that i've seen like a ton of times and i remember everything about so i don't have too much like new or interesting to say about it but i don't have too much else to talk about so yeah mm. but it's, it's still fun some of the effects hold up not all of them it's still fun i'm glad yeah. that the weather allows for comedic timing as well <laughs> it's very nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i need to rewatch that it's been forever since i've seen that i like read this um, trivia thing on it. Yeah, DVD sales brought in an extra 110 million in revenue, apparently. Jesus fucking Christ. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> wow. nuts. It just seems like one of those types of movies, though, because, I mean, I remember, you know, as a kid going through Blockbuster and seeing that fucking, that movie. Oh, yeah, it's just that peak, like, 2004, before streaming, that kind of video store type movie. It's Roland Emmerich. Yeah. I'm not surprised. You know? I mean, yeah, like, uh, there, there's that clip of, like, fucking Matt Damon that kind of went a little viral, I suppose, where he's talking about how, like, you know, if movies didn't make their money back at the 
at the box office, you know, they had DVD sales to fall back on, which I find interesting. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they don't have that avenue anymore, they're they're kind of limited to just like big budget films that are guaranteed to make their money back at the box office, which is sad. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Simone wouldn't have gotten made if they didn't have DVD sales to fall back on. That's a sad thought. That'd be a tragedy. sure mike flanagan would be upset with you too you're the only two that have seen it according to my letterbox your good friend mike flanagan yeah my friend i mean my fault my following account mike flanagan not my friend i wish he was my friend uh, <laughs> that sounded so sad that was the saddest thing many topics yeah many topics one is probably deadpool 3 yep yeah we can start with that if you want I watched the trailer like once, so I don't. I'm trying to remember everything from it, but like. Did did you watch it, Keon? I watched it a couple of times. About as good as I mean, it wasn't bad. I'm just insanely skeptical because you know I I I think it's just in the back of my exactly exactly took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) I the fact that Sean Levy's directing it. I have to keep reminding myself. I'm like. The trailer looks like all right. It looks like it looks better than Free Guy. I'll say that much. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but I don't. I just didn't get a lot out of it. It feels like it would have went. F- I mean, it probably it probably is like the biggest deal in the world for some people. But I feel it feels like it would have fucking broken people if it came out like a couple of years ago, like during height of like superhero hype. But yeah. right now, I'm just like I don't really think i care honestly i'm worried about what it might mean for logan more so than anything i think because i feel like yeah. it's just gonna be, you know he's stepping back into the role one more time and it's gonna be shit <laughs> it is good though that it seems like madam webb and this are gonna be the only like marvel things this year aside from <laughs> maybe some shows what's yeah, that supposed like, to mean well, it's we a good thing hype- i mean they, they can slow down a little bit we're not hyped for madam webb no no why would i be Dude, I am oh, now after on, seeing those fucking Rotten Tomato scores. I was not I, I, caring about this movie at all, and now I want the next Morbius. It's gonna, it's gonna be the next Morbius, dude. I, I genuinely think Morbius will be like a better movie. I saw a review that said this makes Morbius look like The Godfather, so it must really be <laughs> fucking bad. Yeah. Back to the mini topic, Deadpool three. I thought the trailer was good, but to be honest, all the behind the scenes photos of the set, like and the cameos and all that, it kind of took my excitement away before the trailer even dropped. So. The trailer didn't really get me excited, but I do think this will be like the best thing that, and for me personally, probably the best thing Marvel will have done in a while, even though it's not really Marvel, isn't it? Wait, no, it is Marvel now. It's not. Well, it, so it is. Dude, I'm so there, I'm There's so literally that shot in the trailer of Deadpool looking at footage from Age of Ultron. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> is that a thing? The... Oh, my God, Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like three screens, and like one of them is like the first Avengers, the second one is like Age That's of Ultron, so the third screen. <laughs> what are you doing? What? He says he's going to become Marvel Jesus. Oh, that, boy. They're, saying, they're basically admitting that like he's coming to fucking save their franchise. Like, that's what they're admitting. They know they're failing in that this could save it. Like, with how long it would have taken to write it, I don't think it was intentional, but I do think it's very smart that they edited the trailer like that. That it was like, oh yeah, we know the MCU is in a shambles, like, here's Deadpool to save it. I think it was smart that they did that, but I don't think it was their fucking intention whatsoever. Like, they're just yeah. kind of taking advantage of the moment, and I don't think... 
I don't think Disney would admit that, you know, the last few Marvel movies have been dog shit, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful, though. I'm, exci I'm excited, but you're right. It's the fucking free guy director, so I can't get my hopes too high. Man, I, I tell you, I've had to bullshit my way through a couple of fucking Deadpool 3 trailer conversations the past couple of days. I've had to be like, yeah, that, it looks great. Yay. And I'm just like, oh, but free guy director. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you're, like, your average person wouldn't even care or know. Like, you know, like, who cares? It's a, They don't think of that. The average but... person probably loves free guy. Exactly. They do. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This is an anti-free guy podcast. It is. Yeah, yes. fuck free guy. First and foremost. Fuck it. In other Marvel news, oh, well, we're, I guess while we're talking about Marvel, the only other uh, thing I thought was interesting to bring up is that uh, Marvel just casually dropped like their fantastic forecasting and everybody's yeah, kind yeah. of uh, up in arms about Pedro Pascal as Mr. Fantastic. Some people love it, some people hate it. I, I said it's better than John Krasinski, at least. Nah, I don't know. I, I thought, I don't know about that. I like John Krasinski as him. I don't like Pedro in that role, really. No, I'm kind of the same boat as Liam. Like, I like Pedro Pascal, but I just don't know. Like, I, I, ha I have my reservations with him as the character, but yeah, I, I at least it's better than John Krasinski, I guess. But um... It just feels like when they go to pick out actors now, they just go with like the most popular choices rather than mm -hmm. what will actually suit the character. To be fair, they, they cast uh, Sue Storm and fucking The Thing very well. Like, that that's some pretty fucking good casting. Like, Vanessa Kirby, Sue Storm. I feel Storm. like The Thing you can just cast as anyone, really. Yeah, like, you really could. <laughs> Joseph Quinn, right? Yeah. He was he, in he Stranger Things. He would be good, I think. Yeah, he wouldn't be bad. He, he's just like your... Yeah, he's fine. Say what you will about hey, say what you will about the fucking old Fantastic Four movies. That Reed Richards casting was perfect, I thought. Whoever that guy it was, was good. I can't think of his actor name. Dude, he was it was good casting, that guy. It was it was but, good casting, but I'd say even better casting. I know you just said that the thing can be anyone, but Michael Chiklis as the thing, that is fucking great casting. Oh, is <laughs> he that, is from the <laughs> original Fantastic Four? Yeah, Michael Chiklis was the original thing. You know who I actually think would be like really good as Reed Richards? Hamish Linklater. Hell yeah! Dude, oh yeah! That, I, like, now that I would actually work. That. I think. It would work. It'd be perfect. Fuck. Oh, that's that's. That would be I sick. wish we could see that. <laughs> I would love that. I'm more excited because of the poster that they released. I think if they stick <laughs> with that style, which they fucking won't, because it's Marvel. But if yeah. they stick with, like, that 60s aesthetic and, like, with the texture of, like, the costumes and stuff, if they stick with that and they don't fuck it up, I think we could have the first ever good Fantastic Four movie. It's not gonna happen. After, like, <laughs> fucking 30 years. It can't be good. Were we even wanting to touch on the Grammy winners or no? I don't care. Like, <laughs> just because it's, a you know, music and uh, I forgot, I didn't even watch the Grammys, but... Everything I heard um, about them made me fucking eye roll and want to kill myself. Exactly. Fuck Jay-Z, honestly. <laughs> what happened with Jay-Z? What Jay -Z? did Jay-Z do? He's being a fucking douche going on about how Beyonce should win shit again and again. He was being mm. really childish at the thing, apparently, and, like, you know, drinking out of his Grammy and shit. He's just being a twat. To be fair, I, I, don't, I don't think Beyonce was nominated for anything, so maybe he was just trying to support his wife. I hope I find a love like that. Where they make three fucking albums about how he cheated on her. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest moments is that Miley Cyrus won her first Grammy. I mean, I don't listen to Miley Cyrus. I'm just saying that was like a big moment, apparently. Let's see. I know Taylor Swift won like album of the, album of the year. Not surprised. Didn't Boy Genius win? Best Alternative yeah. Album, I think. 
I thought it was best rock. That's what I thought I saw. Yeah, they no, that was Paramore. Paramore won best rock. Let's go. Yeah, guys. They won, yeah. They oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, they won, <laughs> which is good. Uh, sure, that's that's good. Uh, Metallica won best metal performance, even though it's with their worst album, <laughs> um, 72 seasons. <laughs> but good for them, I guess. You were actually weren't wanting to talk about Death Stranding 2, or no? Do you want to move oh, on? Oh yeah, that too? I kind of was. Kojima dropped like an eight-minute fucking trailer for Death Stranding 2. Looks fucking awesome. Like the whole art direction of this one in particular just looks like really different to the first one in a weird way. Kind of more like combat heavy, I'm guessing. I don't think it will be. It seems like it might be because. Like, they have some action in the trailer and stuff like that, and it feels like maybe the first game yeah, is more yeah. of, like, the steady walking simulator kind of thing that it was, and then I guess it leads up to more conflict, which leads up to more action. So I would guess that this one's going to be more action-heavy. I, 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 I forgot about that part in the trailer that's just Norman Reedus just fucking shooting at some guys with yeah. a fucking fully automatic gun. Like, I'm not even at a part in the game where you have, like, a... Like, the only weapon you have is, like, a fucking, you know, like a smoke grenade type thing. Or else your fucking fists. I have a That's gun. That's about it. Yeah, I know you get a gun later on in the game, but, like, where I am in the game. Yeah, it looks like I'm on Chapter 3, which it seems very early on. <laughs> that is early. I remember Chapter 3 being one of the quicker ones, though. I, I, th I think I'm kind of taking my time with that chapter. Because I was doing, like, a lot of fucking deliveries. Just, like, side deliveries and shit. But like I have 30 hours in it somehow, so back to Death Stranding 2, my god, the K Kojima's going mad. He's got fucking George Miller in there, the director yeah. of fucking Mad Max. What's wow. he doing there? Have you seen What's what he, he doing there? like, Quinn? Damn, he just loves bringing like directors in, yeah. And like there's cameos from like Edgar Wright and like Conan O'Brien. Dude, he needs to get David Lynch in there. Is David Lynch in that game? Oh. Yet? Holy shit. Yeah, he looks fucking yeah. badass. <laughs> he looks fucking badass. He's lost a hand, he's got a black cat with fucking bat wings or something. That's crazy. Honestly love the way that um uh, Higgs looks in the new one. That sold me on it. His fucking railgun guitar, my god. My god, oh. that is like the coolest shit I've ever fucking seen in my life. Fucking that hell. sold me. The other two things that sold me were the puppet and yeah, the gloves the around Leia Sado's neck. The puppet's like animated in like, I think it's like eight frames per second, so he looks like stop motion compared to the rest of the game, which is so fucking cool to me. Yeah. I love that type of shit. And wow. yeah, Leah Sado has like gloves around her neck and it like lights a cigarette <laughs> in her mouth at one point. And it's so fucking cool. I don't have a clue what the game's about. I haven't even finished the first one. And I don't even feel spoiled for the first one having watched the trailer for the second one because I don't know what the second one's about. I don't feel like I could like connect the dots even if I watched the whole trailer. I didn't watch the whole trailer. I just watched like some clips of it. And I think that this will probably be the game that like makes Death Stranding like a more kind of respected title as well. Because I think people will probably see that the first one was like building up to something a bit different and maybe towards like their preferences i, I think the first the first one's kind of gained a lot of respect over the years which is cool but also he mm. has like a new stealth game coming out as well spiritual successor to metal gear solid because he can't do a metal gear solid game because konami owned the rights so he's doing a new one, and apparently your mother won't be able to tell whether it's a movie or not. We just read so that Liam while, while you were in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't wait for everything he's doing. Hell yeah, Kojima. Kojima's the best. He makes interesting shit, I'll give him that. Speaking of interesting and unique shit, let's go Ooh. on to the main topic. I'll introduce my topic. So I decided that we should all watch Mike Flanagan's 2021 miniseries Midnight Mass. I, I, I've wanted to watch it for so long because my I have friends who just like fucking completely adore the show 
some of them consider it like one of their favorite shows of all time and I've always been very intrigued to watch it. I haven't had the best relationship with Mike Flanagan's work. I like a couple of his movies. I don't like a couple of his movies. This one has always interested me and, you know, being seven episodes, I'm shocked I haven't watched it. I hadn't watched it yet. And I'm glad that none of us had seen it so we can all mm. kind of discuss it like from, you know, a fresh first watch. Yeah. And I'm I'm pl I'm pleased with how it turned out. I, 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 I didn't come away disappointed at all, and I'm glad to say that. So, yeah, Midnight Mass is basically about... It's a rural community off the coast of Maine, I think. Maine would make sense because it's fucking... You know, Mike Flanagan works a lot of Stephen King, and this does have huge fucking Stephen King vibes. I didn't really think that while watching, though, or anything, personally. I mean, he's always... I guess, uh, in, like, interviews and all sorts of stuff, then, like, he's always stated for sure, like, how... He, he is, like, the director most heavily influenced by Stephen King, obviously to the point of, like, adapting I, I know he's, even, like, like really into Stephen King. I just meant but, that, like, I didn't really feel that from watching or anything. I kind of did. I mean, just from, like, the vibe of the show and, the like, small the town very... Community. Small town community, very, like... Riley being an alcoholic. I try not to compare. Just I'm not comparing, but... I'm just saying it has Stephen King vibes. It feels very Stephen King-influenced. So yeah, it's just about this small rural community. Um, Riley, who is the protagonist, he goes to prison for a while because he killed someone in a drunk, drunk driving accident, and you follow him as he's getting back into the community after a few years of being out for various reasons, because he moved into the mainland um, in his early 20s or late teens, I think it, it said. And so he's just readjusting to the community, and a new priest comes in one day, and it kind of shakes the whole town up because the town has a religious background to it. And yeah, shit just gets interesting and very thought-provoking, I think. It really does. For, for the first couple of episodes, I liked it, but it's the last few episodes that really fucking, it wowed me. Like, mm. I think it made the show way better in retrospect for me. Mm. And I loved that it was able to do that. It kind of tied the whole show together and it solidified thoughts that I had on it and it also wrapped things up in a very satisfying way to where I'm like okay I got why they were doing this early on to have this sort of a payoff to it you know yeah and I love no, that about it I love the slow burn nature of it I I came at this show going into it the same way probably with the same mindset that Liam did and maybe with you Keelan I, I don't know how exactly you're what you think you know about Mike Flanagan but I know that like I I also have like a very hit or miss uh relationship with like his work and his movies and I've seen all of his movies like every single movie he's done I've actually seen and about half of them I think are solid or good and the other half I don't really think are that good and his shows are even more hit or miss I think like Haunting of Hill House I thought was solid but overall a lot of his work is very it's kind of the same across the board in terms of it's it's very wordy, it's very talky, and it's very monologue-y. And that can really work or not work with a lot of people. And uh, so I was going into this kind of uh, hesitant or, like, worried that I wouldn't like it. I'm glad <laughs> to say I fucking loved it. I loved all of it. I loved, like, every second. I, it really worked for me. Like, in terms of his monologues and his writing... Like, it really feels like this could have been a book. or It's like he took a book and put it onto a show, basically. So, like, well, it's I'm not going to sure work for wrote, everybody. D didn't he write yeah. a book of this? 
like before making he it? He did. This was like hinted at in a lot of his movies to where like it, I think it was initially supposed to be a book and like in the background of some of his movies you'll actually see like on a bookshelf like a copy of a book that says Midnight Mass. Like this has been a passion project of his for like a long time. Yeah. So he's always been trying to get it made. You're right, Keelan, about saying like notice later on things will happen that like the things early on in the show that may have seemed uninteresting or kind of slow, like, you know, the buildup, like they really, it kind of like makes you look back and appreciate it more to the point to where I finished the show and I wanted to go back and just kind of, just kind of brush through like maybe the first episode again, or maybe the second episode, just to like refresh my memory before this podcast. And I started the show over and I actually finished it for a second time because yeah, I literally what? did not stop. Yeah, I watched the show <laughs> oh twice because like, Damn, you right. guys, because, <laughs> well, we pushed back the date of the recording and I had nothing else to watch. And so I thought I was just going to, I'll just rewatch the first episode. And it literally hooked me that, like, after watching the show and knowing what it was, watching it for the first, like, for a second time, it was like a whole different experience because it was so rewarding getting to see that like all the seeds that were planted like all the setups that i didn't even fucking acknowledge that didn't register in my mind seeing them set up over again knowing what the show is going to be so it was like watching it was like watching for a different through different eyes the second time i I don't know man i really (laughs) loved it like i I thought it was great so um That's cool. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I I actually I didn't think I would watch through it for a second time, but dude, it was it's so it's such a like in it's like such a show with like depth. It's got like layers to it, and so I was really like keeping an eye out for different things the second time. I was kinda pissed off at myself because I only finished the last episode like a couple of hours ago because I was very fucking busy the past couple of days unexpectedly. Like we pushed past this, we pushed this podcast back because I was fucking working on Tuesday. I had to fucking come into work again today, so that kind of limited my time for watching, and I'm pissed off about that. But after the last episode finished, I had, I was like fucking, I had so many fucking thoughts. Like it, it was, it's such a thought-provoking and smart show, and I know, I know one of the big things about it is like, oh, there's long monologues, and there's lots of monologues, but, like, I never really felt them. Like, Mm. I don't think I would have noticed unless, like, people were like, oh, yeah, there's lots of monologues in this show, because it feels natural. I don't think it ever feels like, oh, yeah, here's a monologue for the sake of a monologue. I I can't can't agree with that, personally. No, it does so much character work within those monologues. I, I do agree, but I think that some monologues are really just unnecessary and just go on for way too long as well like there was yeah. one in particular and um julia agrees with me on this as, as well mm. and she's a big fan of mike flanagan <laughs> like that one monologue that riley and Aaron are having when they're talking about how like what happens after you die oh that's the one i liked i, I like that monologue. it went on Damn. for so long though like so fucking yeah. long and it just it got to a point of cheesiness that i just couldn't handle i don't know i just i really didn't like that scene that much personally but that's like Mm. the only one where it really like bothered me in terms of monologues i thought that monologue was like the core of the show i think that was like the entire thesis of the show to me honestly it very well could have been but it just sounded cheesy to me and 
It, that is know. a thing, and I guess, yeah, to, to play devil's advocate, and that's one thing I don't like about him, is that he can be very cheesy. He can get very yeah. corny, and I think that is, like, a, a strength and a weakness in terms of his monologues is that, like, some monologues are, like, fucking just so perfect and so thought-provoking, and, like, they're, like, written with, like, fucking golden ink, and, like, they're just perfect. It's like poetry. And then there's other monologues that can go on to a point of, like, parody, like, kind of, like... It's like, this is just getting, like, this is like a soap well, it's, opera. It's also just sometimes, so it, like, a personal thing. Sometimes it just falls flat for somebody yeah. personally, I think, and that's yeah. totally fine. Like, if you just don't really agree that much with the sentiment that's being shared, then that's okay. But, I mean, yeah. it no, serves yeah, a totally. purpose. Like, if, if people, you know, latch onto it, that's totally fine. It just didn't work for me. I do agree with, I think some of, like, throughout the show, I think there is, like, a lot of cheesy dialogue, but... I think what makes it worse, what makes it work for me is how sincere it is. I I believe every word out of this character's, these characters' mouths. And I think that matters more to me than, like, every word being perfect. And I think it goes a long way in I, building I do agree characters. With that. I, I think it's like, it's like an apt thing, really, because, like, the, the characters, like, when they have monologues, like, it works for their character, it works for who they are. It's one of the major themes in it is just like forgiveness and stuff like that and it yeah. is it it is after like you know a lot of the characters have done pretty bad things i think the first initial like hint of that that really really got me was the scene between joe and lisa in his trailer that was a fantastic scene mm, mm-hmm. like that, that was so well acted yeah. and like the monologue in that really felt like it had a lot of gravity to it but it was just so well acted between the two of them they were amazing mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can and go across I, the board for everybody. I think I thought all the performances were great. While we're talking about that, in terms of the monologue, I think the monologues, like overall, I think one thing that really impressed me, like especially throughout the show, like with all the characters, I love how they're all distinct, like in terms of like their thought processes and stuff like that, and like it was very effective in communicating the characters' like central beliefs and their like core tenets and all that. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated that. Like, it never felt like, oh yeah, it's just like one guy in a room just typing in his typewriter. Like, oh yeah, this is what this character would say. It felt like these characters had minds of their own, and I fucking... They all have their I really like when flavor, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like when a show can do that. And like, everybody gets their moment to shine too. Like, everybody gets at least one, like, fucking great, like, almost like Oscar... I don't know if I want to say Oscar-worthy, <laughs> like, but like, what you would imagine, like, a real... Uh, acting performance like a moment from each person yeah that kind of goes on and like yeah i i don't know i thought all the monologue like none of them really bothered me that much and i hate even bringing up this word so much monologue 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 but like it is what everybody talks about (laughs) with this show and like it can really make it hurt the show or make the show for a lot of people so um it didn't bother me too much though the the monologues did become a bit too much for me at times but Mm-hmm. For the most part, it works, and yeah, there's there's also something I feel I probably should say about this. Um, I mean, I went into it like not being a huge Mike Flanagan fan, and it's mostly just because it's mostly because of like the horror. It felt like within mm. like the first three or four episodes of this show, it was like really really focused on the drama, the characterization, like letting you really get to know these characters in depth and stuff, but. I personally feel like in the last three episodes, it started to drop that off a lot more. That's kind of why, like, I don't see the last three episodes as being a big deal. For me, I thought that was intentional, though, because the story gradually led into that, you know? Like, at first, you're not, like, it just leads, you know? 
but I guess I can see where you're coming from. It's just I wanted more characterization and more like moments with these characters because I was really, really loving them, especially Father Paul. It it felt like he started to be in the show like a lot less in the last three episodes, which really disappointed Mm. me. Just love his performance so much. Oh, I love him. He was the co- for me. He made the show. Like for me, he made he, the show, I don't want to yeah. say he is. The co- I don't want to say he carried the show, the but he show. made it. Yeah, he, he did. he's fucking awesome. I love and like Hamish Linklater. Like holy shit! Like I want to. This yeah. makes me want to watch everything he's been in. Like that's how Same. much I loved his portrayal and like his. Because I don't even know this ties it back to Fantastic Four. I, I didn't know. I was looking because I went on Letterbox. So I was like, what else has this guy been in? He was in the original early two thousands Fantastic Four. Some guy. Fuck like, off. No, he was. I'm not even kidding. He was in that fucking movie. He says a guy named Leonard or something. I don't know who that is in the movie, but he plays a guy (laughs) named Leonard in that movie. So I got to go back and rewatch it just for him. So. Shit. All right. Nice. Yeah. You'll be in there for like a frame and you'll be like, hell yeah, that's Father Paul right there. Hell (laughs) yeah. That's my guy. No, but this movie, like, I love when, or this show, sorry, this show, I love when a show can, like, it introduces me to an unknown actor I didn't even, not unknown, but, like, I didn't know him, and now it's like, where the fuck has this guy been this whole time? Like, he was incredible. He has such a fucking commanding presence. Like, every time he was he was on that altar, it's just like, I'm locked in. I'm locked yep. in, fucking, oh, yeah. when preach to me. I would yeah. become a Christian. I would just become a Christian if he asked me to. <laughs> but like also in those scenes where it's like not, where he's like not on the altar and shit like that, like it, it feels oh, yeah. like he just has such a uncomfortable layer to his performance and like it's kind of awkward. I like how it kind of switches between, you can kind of notice he's more comfortable around some people more than others, which I quite kind of liked as well. Like Riley. Like Riley, yeah. yeah like Riley. He's such an interesting character and the, the performance is just, it is one of the best I've seen in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I, I I, can't remember the last time I've seen a performance with, like, this much, like, raw charisma. It made it. me want to like, be it, a priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just it feels like, ever, effortless, you know? Yeah. Well, charisma, but in a weird way, because you're right, he's like, he comes off like a very awkward guy, so overall it makes him feel like just a very complex, like, unique character. Like, he has this commanding presence, like, when he's up on the podium, or I guess whatever you want to call it, t- doing a sermon, but then, like, at other scenes, he just comes off, like, very kind of timid and very, like, soft-spoken, and I don't know, it's just yeah. weird. It's, like, mul- many different performances, like, coming from this one guy that, like, I didn't even know about, and so it's just really I mean, refreshing like, to see. Yeah, I, I was raised, like, a Christian, and it, it is, in a way, kind of like a lot of priests that I would have known growing up, where they're, like... They kind of, you know, they're, they're more expressive and theatrical at the altar because, you know, in essence, yeah, they're kind of giving a show in some way. Like, they're preaching the Bible in however much of a compelling way that they can do. And then if mm-hmm. you just speak to them outside of it, it's just like, oh, yeah, they're kind of a quiet guy. They have their own interests beyond being a priest. But, like, you know, up there, you know, they're commanding the word of God. And yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting how business. he tied that into his performance. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Liam's point about the horror. Mm. The horror in Midnight Mass. Yeah. Um, I, I read your first couple of reviews for it, and I was under the impression that it was more the jump scares that you weren't a fan of more than anything. Oh, it's the horror because... in general. But the jump scares yeah? are like, yeah, the worst part of it for me. It's just mm. the way that he films horror, I find really, really generic. And I, I think I use that word a lot, and it sucks, but like... I, it's just the way that he films it, the way that he does it. It's so obvious mm. every time. Like, 
he you know that shot where he's like filming like the outside of someone's window or whatever it wasn't the, yeah. the um it wasn't the scene with the sheriff it was something else it, it's like bushes and then you see like a part of it move because it was a person oh, I the lo- whole time like yeah, it's shit I like, like that stuff. it's shit like I that but it's like we've seen that so many times there's also a moment in like episode two with uh aaron when she was just looking out her window yeah, and so she saw aaron. Aaron. yeah that's and the one i, I that's the one i mean dude that's that's crazy because like i was gonna bring that up but in a positive way because like for me (laughs) that's the type of horror i like to see is the type it's that wasn't really a jump scare but like i like the horror that is kind of like something in the background you have to be looking for it and then you see it and it's like oh shit like it wasn't like something thrown right in your face like you wouldn't even have seen it move then I'd rather it didn't move and there wasn't a loud fucking violin sound to scare that's me. That's the only, like, yeah, the, that, the sound cues the, I will get behind you with. I agree with. Yeah, I yeah. agree with the sound thing. I, I could have done without that. It would. I think it would have been more effective without the sound. Yeah, more creepier without the sound. But I'm fine with the I, horror if it's done like a little better than this. Personally, it just yeah. the horror is what fell flat for me the most, but I just love the drama of all of it. I love the characters. I, I just wanted mm. more of them, more of exploring them. One of the big things I got out of it was, like, a huge fucking feeling of, like, existential dread and existential horror. I think that's ultimately kind of what the show is. The most I got out of it, that's kind of what I loved the most about it, because I love... I I love that kind of horror, like, existential horror, like, something like fucking Eraserhead and shit like that. How (laughs) fucking out there and how it can be like, oh yeah, what happens after death? That sort of thing. I I love that shit, and I love the way it is dealt with in the show, but I can kind of get behind that especially in the last few episodes i can see how you can be kind of reserved in that with how plainly it's shot it's shot and how much you knew about these characters at this point i felt like it worked very well for me personally mm-hmm. it, it makes sense like i said for it to go the direction it did that i i had one negative like it's very rarely did anything bother me in the show like i was behind on board with everything and this is such a it's a little negative but I can't stand when um, one of the one of the casting choices I thought was completely wrong, and even the second time I watched it, it still annoyed me. Um, so is it the same one? I think. <laughs> is it the fucking old lady? Is yes. it the old lady? Come it is. on, fucking dude! No. I can't the stand. I no, laughed I, when I first saw her. I know there is a reason that they cast it as a young woman. It doesn't change the fact that they cast a fucking like. A girl in her late 20s to be the mother of a woman in her 50s. Like, I looked up the actress's ages, and so it still doesn't make sense. I just don't think it was the right call, because it, it really took me out of the show. It took me out of it, and it feels goofy and ridiculous, and I hate it. And I hate it at both times. It just well, felt the, the goofy The one thing I said about it, like, um, right when I, like, first saw it was just that, you know, the, the older-looking makeup on, like, Riley's parents, that looks fine to me. Yeah. But like Mildred, mm-hmm. I just noticed it right away. She walks God. through the door. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? You just know. <laughs> you just know because you could tell that isn't a young woman's face, a facial like, structure. Right away, yeah. And even the, and what before my last point for Keelan, you can give your point, is that the what bothered me the most wasn't even the makeup. It was the fucking I hate hearing a young it's like hearing a young woman yeah. trying to impersonate an old person and it was the voice that just annoyed me. Like it's like that if I tried doing long. an old voice right now, it it's like that's fucking yeah, cringy. That's... <laughs> it's literally it's like that's cringy. I don't wanna it took me out of the show. Anyway, <laughs> Keelan, you could defend it if you want. I would rather they did that rather than cast 
two separate parts for it. I would prefer if they did it, the makeup was better. If they can do it with me a goth, they can do it with her. That's true. That's that's a great point. Yeah. That was convincing makeup for me a goth, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was the makeup wasn't great either, but I think <laughs> overall it worked. I think a big thing with this show for me is that the ends always justified the means for me. And that made me more accepting of how unconvincing the old makeup was. And I didn't find her... Like, the perf- the voice was a bit young. But I thought the old woman stumbling stuff was well done for the most part. And I thought she played the part fairly well. So I wasn't that hung up on, like, the old mage makeup not being the complete best. Mm. Like, I-, I-, I didn't mind it overall. And, like, for the first however fucking many episodes she's in it for she doesn't even really speak a lot because she's basically fucking catatonic so which i'm very thankful for yeah for real (laughs) no the physical acting part like you were mentioning that is that was fine like the old woman movements but it really was for me just the appearance and the voice when she did it it totally took me out of it and i just i kept thinking like why couldn't you just reverse the casting take the the doctor who was supposed to be her daughter why wouldn't you make her the old woman and then have her you know like why couldn't you just switch the casting why wouldn't you switch the casting that would have at least like if the actresses in real life could have at least matched more of the ages but instead it was just way off and it just kind of took i think it it is just a like big matter of like makeup really like i think it's just the makeup that makes it as bad as it is but also the voice the voice is annoying there's one more tiny tiny annoying thing with the show was like it's it's pretty technical but um so, so throughout the show then sometimes there will be this shot in the show and it's called i had to literally look it up because i didn't know what the fuck it was called it's called a split diopter split shot diopter? do you guys know what this is yeah the diopter yeah, i i am i i only really I noticed it in the last episode I could not stand... There was multiple moments where they did it in the last episode, but I'm sending right now to the general chat a shot from the show. And tell me this doesn't look goofy. I just cannot stand this type of shot. Oh, is it the... Sh- I, th- I think I know the kind of shot you mean based on, like, what you yeah. called it. Like, someone's face, and then it's, like, a face, yes. kind of like a blur, yes. and then something in the background. Yeah. And, like, half yeah, the, the screen's blurry, the other half... It's to focus on two different... Like, one in the foreground, one in the background, so you can focus on both. I always hate I'm, those shots. Dude, I just think yeah. it looks so cheesy. And I set one example to the fucking general chat. That's the worst shot it. in the show. I That's hated the, that shot. That is an actual shot from the show, and just... Yeah, it's just. I noticed that. I, like when I said, it came up. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look right. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, it's a really technical thing, but they do it multiple times throughout the show. Uh, it, it's whatever. Like I said, it's such a nitpicky thing, but that's because like for the, the most negatives part, it's very well so. Shot, that shot does look goofy as fuck, but I, I will not. St- <laughs> I, I will not stand for any fucking split diopter slander in this show. Split diopter shots are. Dude, sometimes fantastic. it can be that's done well. There's one in Suspiria I really don't like. The remake or original. The, the remake. It's like a shot of Dakota Johnson's face with something in the background. Like, no, that's a good one. No, it's not. not. <laughs> it's a great one. It's I just good. never see any use it's for that so shot. Good. Sorry, I'm the only one here with a film degree. No, you're not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, so I don't know. We can uh, get in spoilers if you're wanting yeah. to do that. Because, I mean, gonna, we're going to spoil the shit out of the show. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler Midnight Mass! Going in blind was one of the most exciting and like rewarding experiences I've had watching a TV show because I did not know this fucking show would be about fucking vampires of all things. I'll tell yeah. you that. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. 
And so that. having that slowly reveal was so... It kept me, it just captivated me. It kept me hooked. I, I think I knew the look of the angel, but I didn't know it was from Midnight Mass. I'm glad I didn't even know it was from the show. Yeah, I mean, the angel. Yeah. The, the, but yeah, yeah. It's, man, that it's and, the yeah, angel. So is but... this wine I'm drinking or is it the blood of a vampire? I don't know. Oh my god. We'll Peeling back a fucking onion, like the layers of an, like the whole time. I'm not trying to make, well, I'd be garlic, I guess, if it was a vampire thing. I don't know. I'm not going to make vampire puns this whole time. Yeah, that would suck. That would, oh, no! <laughs> I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> Fuck you. I, I liked how it didn't abide by every single traditional vampire rules. Because, like, one of the big vampire rules is, like, you know, a fucking crucifix burns them. But, like, it's a religious show. Like, there's cru crucifixes fucking everywhere. Like, Father Pruitt is wearing a fucking uh, cross on his fucking necklace, you know? That is a great fucking... point. I didn't even think about that. It's almost like it was an oversight. <laughs> it could have been an I don't oversight. think it was an oversight. I <laughs> think kidding. it was very much intentional, you fucking dipshit. But yeah, that, that reveal at the end of the third episode, that was like when I was in... That's when I was like, oh shit. This, well, which reveal... We're going There's multiple, here. there's several... The, the like, one at the end of, are you? The one at yeah, the end yeah. of episode Father three Pruitt where he dies. talks about the cave... And right yeah. when oh yeah yeah of course yeah that one no that was big i was locked in from then on like if hamish linklater wasn't enough bringing in vampires oh i'm in i'm, that, I'm here that was the point though where i was like th this is where this show like could go down a certain direction oh. or it could go down a different direction like i was hoping more for keeping that level drama kind of and the characterization like i said but it started to get a bit more like supernatural kind of as it went and but i think that's where like a lot of the interesting themes of the show come from like the whole thing about like death and rebirth and stuff like that mm. like with you know father pruitt's intentions which like they aren't fully revealed until like the last episode which was satisfying for me that fucking scene made me tear up honestly yeah. but like the way yeah. that he kind of saw it as like a salvation for like those that he loved like on the island and the mm -hmm. reason, like, that he was keeping it, like, hidden is because, like, oh, yeah, he didn't really know the true power that he held. Yeah, it's not even until, like, episode four, I think, where, like, his skin starts to burn when he goes into yeah. the sunlight. Yeah, I think it was which episode it, which four, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I found strange. And, like, you know, even after he gets bitten in the cave, like, he walks out into direct sunlight, you know? Now, I think I know the reason why is because I was confused by this as well. When the vampire kind of like he he got confronted by it and he it attacked him and then he turned young, so he was infected with the vampire blood at that point. But the vampire didn't kill him. But I think remember yeah. that moment when he collapsed yes. in like the, his cabin and then he he just choked up and then he died and then he came back. That was the moment when he died and then he from then on he was a full on vampire. So like the whole show. People were getting infected by drinking the wine with the, the vampire's blood in it, and they were being infected, but they weren't completely turned yet because they hadn't died yet. So that's why in like, yeah, the like sixth Mildred. episode, right, then they have him uh, drink the poison and shit. And, um, so I was, it took me, yeah, it took that second watch really helped in terms of like, why is this not happening yet? Like, why is this the way it is? But once you figure that out, it's just like, it's so much more fun to watch even then i'm still sort of confused about how the infection worked like yeah th there's that there's there, there's that line at, um, that bev says at the end of episode seven where she's like oh yeah um like oh you could have saved your family but like you know 
um, Sturge had the option to kill you or turn you and he chose to turn you or whatever, you know? And that's not really set up until that point where, like, you know, they can kill them or they can just, like, turn them. I assumed it was like, oh, yeah, if they got bitten, they'd get infected immediately. But, like, everyone mm. that's killed in the fucking the church massacre, like, comes back to life as well. Right. So it's, it's kind of strange. I, I, I don't yeah. know whether it's, like, a, a proficiency thing where, like, they get more familiar with, like how their powers work and like in that first instance they're all so overcome with like the smell of blood from like the other people that they're just like i'm diving straight the fuck in i'm getting all that blood in me you know yeah, yeah all i know is is that throughout the show from the moment like early on in the show when he starts serving people the wine at mass then he starts you know he's slipping things into the wine he's obviously slipping the vampire's blood into the wine oh shit i forgot about that yeah, yeah. right that happens like in multiple scenes to where like the one of the kids will walk in on him like pouring something from a flask into the wine glass and yeah. you're like what the fuck is that but no it's then you come to learn that he's been infecting the wine this whole time so early on people have been drinking this stuff and that's why people are magically healing that's why lisa could like sit up from the wheelchair which is yeah. the moment that hooked me by the way like as soon Fucking as that happened that i'm scene. like yeah holy shit yeah that was a great scene like <laughs> that that was the moment up until that point i wasn't even sure i was enjoying the show and then i that happened and i was hooked from then on i was like okay now yeah. i'm interested and so like lisa gets healed her mother you know uh, mildred gunning starts turning younger uh the dad like riley's dad his back starts you know it's not hurting him anymore like everybody starts healing because they've been drinking the wine this whole time. But it's not till the end when Be uh, Bev and all of them poison, they make everybody drink the fucking poison to basically kill them and then revive them back as a full vampire. So that's, mm -hmm. I believe, the way it works in the show. But yeah, it's kind of confusing. Yeah, you really have to keep an eye out for like all the little details, but... Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if it's more confusing than it is like it would... It'd be more obvious on a second watch because it does seem like something that would benefit from hindsight, you know. It really like, does. You, you, you are, you are right about all these things in hindsight because like I, I forgot about like that shit, and, I'm, and now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, that makes complete fucking Dude, sense. Dude, that's you know, literally why. Now you see why when I started rewatching the show again, I was like, I was just gonna rewatch an episode, and then I could not stop watching because I'm like, I was like, this stuff went over my fucking head the first time. And now, like, everything is coming full circle when on that second watch. It, it was crazy, like, the fact that it did that. So it's just a testament to, yeah, like, how well he was able to map all this stuff out. And just, I love just the way he planted all the seeds early on. So How I, do we feel man. about Riley's character arc? I think it's perfect. I think his arc is fucking as strong as it gets. I really like it that it ended when it did. When he dies at the end of episode is it four i think so it is at the yeah. end of episode five yeah my yeah um i, I wasn't convinced that he was dead because like oh yeah his arc isn't finished yet like fucking it'd make no sense for him to die now then he comes yeah. back to life and you're like yay it's riley he can redeem himself <laughs> and then he fucking does like holy shit yeah. that last that last scene in episode five just like completely fucking floored me I thought it like I loved that episode overall. I thought that was so fucking good. I just loved watching the two of them just play off each other. And mm -hmm. I thought that might be Hamish Linklater's strongest performance in the series, in my opinion. I thought he was fantastic in that episode. 
I, like, like, even though it's not I, I cannot get over like him just like cracking Riley's neck back into place yeah. and shit yeah. and like the <laughs> shot Trying, of like, him down. the shot of him from like the low angle and stuff with like the yeah. eyes glowing and his so hair like good. and him sweating Dude. and shit he just looks so fucking cool <laughs> it's fucking like terrifying like yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's man. the thing you're supposed to get out of the show. I'm glad you got that out of it, <laughs> Dude, Dude just I think everybody really got that out of the show. The fucking the thirst for Hamish Link later. That's what everybody it, got it, out of yeah, the fucking yeah. show. Dude. That, that episode ending with him telling Aaron, like, you know, save yourself, don't try to save them, that sort of thing. I thought that was, like, fucking... It, I, I think I teared up, like, at the end of that episode. I thought that was fucking so beautiful. I didn't really, yeah. like, enjoy the scene itself when Riley, like, burns alive uh, visuals for that didn't look the best but like in, in uh, terms of like his fine. arc though i think it is probably the perfect wrap-up though because it feels like he's a character that was never going to be happy like mm, he was just yeah. never going to be like settled <laughs> well, or feel at peace or anything yeah yeah i mean it, so felt it like just he feels like it feels like bit. the obvious way to wrap up his character really but felt like he had hope for a bit because he was like he was really um, on the path to kind of uh, turning his li- like trying to r- turn his life around or turn his mindset around by going to like the meetings and all that. And then, but once he turns full vampire, he realizes like I'm not going to live my life as a fucking vampire. So like, there's no nothing else I can do but warn yeah. the people I love. And I don't think it was as much that as it is like like a major thing in the show is the theme of forgiveness. And I don't think Riley ever forgave himself for killing the woman. No, at no. The, at the start of episode one. That's obvious. So he has that do- dream every night. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. So that was a constant torment of of his, and I don't. He, yeah, he'd never forgive himself for that. And that's it kind does of why make I felt that like that was a good wrap up for his character because that that nightmare just never really stopped for him. And even if he's trying to get better, it just keeps going, and mm. he can't forget it. I don't know his fucking name, but his performance was, like, fucking stellar throughout, like, the five episodes he was in as well. Zach Gilford. I really, really liked him. Zach Gilford, yeah. that's his name. Yeah. I thought his performance was fantastic. Like, like Quinn said, I really enjoyed, like, pretty much the majority of performances in this. I thought they were mostly compelling. Honestly, mm-hmm. second favorite performance is Samantha Sloyan. Bev is yeah. unbelievably, oh, like, she, she's so villain. good at playing that role. Like, yeah. Oh my god, dude! That's like up there in terms of iconic villains. Like, iconic. I haven't TV hated villains, a character like... this much in a while, but like yeah. at the same time, I just love her for like how much <sighs> effort was put into this performance. And then you watch interviews with her, and like she's so nice, and she's so different from her characters. <laughs> so like, it's really like interesting to watch that way too. Like, god, it, yeah. I what I loved about Bev, um, compared to like fucking Father Pruitt, is they're like polar opposites of what i respect about religion and what i fucking detest about religion yeah because that's another another major thing that really connected with me in the show like the way it candidly like discussed these religious themes and it it did like incorporate other faiths like you had the raul coley character like the sheriff who is a muslim and there's that scene in the fucking in the school oh i hate that where fuck I the, the scene where uh, he was trying to make his case for like, yeah, why yeah. you know, obviously, yeah. I felt so no, fucking bad for him. I was like, fuck you, Bev. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. No, I know. Um, I, I, I yeah. love those sorts of discussions, and like, yeah, just, I, I, I liked how it was not just limited to Christianity, and I'm, I'm happy that it did, because I did learn a couple of things about um, Islam in the process yeah. of, you know, watching the show, like, about how, like, 
they see like they see all religions as valid but like there is the one true god and they consider like the bible what what was what was the word he used it was like a perverted version of yeah god's like he said over word. time like people deviated from the story like people yeah. and kings and like all that they kind of like altered the story that's their what they believe yeah that stuff so. i never knew and i'm glad that the show brought it to my attention because that is quite fascinating like the way that the Quran was like the unaltered word of God. I, I, I like that sort of discussion as well. But yeah, his, his performance in that scene and then fucking Samantha Sloyans. Like, oh my God, that fu- Oh, I hate her so much. <laughs> I hate her so fucking much. Dude, she is. Yeah. Oh, she's so, she's so good. She's a wonderful actress, but oh my God, like it's hard. It's hard not to fucking hate her. Like she, I kind of love her. I kind of hate her so much. I love her. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, no she is one of those villains that, like, every time she's on screen, is just like, oh, this fucking cunt. I wonder it's what like he's going to do. It's like I hate you, but like, God, you're good at this. <laughs> yeah. So what, what What are you going to do next to piss me off? Come on, let's see. <laughs> Bev was like everything I fucking hate about like Christian fundamentalists and stuff yeah. like that. Like she's constantly fucking quoting Bible verses, to, like justify her own shitty actions. And like that just bl- fucking boiled my blood. Like every fucking time. She's just one of those people just, that like oversees no pun intended. everything, even though she has no authority or anything. And what, what really convinced me that she was such a shitty like character or like not, not a shitty character, but a shitty person yeah. um, was that like literally like her first like her first witness witnessing to like what was really going on was when she walked in on Father Paul like having killed yeah. that one guy what was his name uh fucking Joe Joe, Joe, Joe. Collie yeah great he fucking he walked in. oh yeah he was great, great. another great performance like uh she walks in on him he's lying dead on the floor and there's like blood coming from like the father's mouth like he'd pretty much killed him and then obviously sucked his blood and her first instinct is to like just help the father she doesn't even like doubt it she's like oh this must be god's will like you just fucking killed this guy i don't know it's like it seems like like every situation she puts herself in she's just like okay yeah we're gonna sort this out (laughs) 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 yeah yeah we're gonna sort this out wrap it up in carpet and then she's just ready for anything yeah she is she's just like full-on sociopath honestly yeah yeah it's great uh it is i think i think that by that point she knew though um the start of that episode was like after he died like that was the start of episode four that that was after he died and yeah they mm-hmm. were talking and then he said she says you know she calls him father oh. Pruitt, like at the very start oh yeah. okay yeah and then may- maybe that was before i can't remember if that was before or after he like held his hand in sunlight and she saw it burn she's like okay okay we're gonna solve this like well, it was after he passed oh no out. That, that that was after that was Joe after his death yeah, yeah that's right that's right yeah he like passed out first had that like um then we <clears> had that like <throat> confession reveal in the cave yeah. and shit and then he yeah. wakes up and then that's when he kills yeah Jill, I, guess. I do like how you never really know how much she knows about the situation yeah it's not a thing where you like you have to know like what exactly she knows about it but like her you know the things she says and like the little actions she does and like how close the two of them are not even emotionally but like in terms of like the hierarchy of their church I, I, I like that. I, I really like that, that you never really know. Like, how much does she really know? And yeah, but, we don't like, get whatever a she does. Into it and it's, yeah. Makes the dynamic a lot more interesting. 
when you don't know mm-hmm. too yeah. much about it. Talk about a sad and also then disturbing death was Joe Colley's death. Like, because re- yeah. I really, like, the second watch, I felt more, like, even more attached to that character because I'm like, man, he obviously feels so shitty about, like, doing what he did to Lisa. And then he was, like, really on the path. Like, he had a good day that day. He, like, didn't drink and he was so excited about it. And then all of a sudden, he just fucking falls over and gets his head bashed. And then Father. Paul sucking that blood from his head was like, oh my god. The first time I watched that, I thought it was funny. The second time, I actually thought it was disturbing. Like yeah, <laughs> when it cut disturbing. to him sucking from his head, it was it was like, okay, it is disturbing. I don't know why my first instinct was to like laugh at that because it's badass. I mean, to be fair, it is badass. Yeah, I found the you know the the scene where he got to where he got Liza to stand up funny when I watched it. Yeah, like, I, I was oh, laughing at first. I was like, "Oh, that's funny." <laughs> yeah, oh, because like, it was so funny. I was just, like, he just kept standing back because he was, he was like, "No, no, come on, come up." To no, me. that that part was yeah. That it's part I was like, funny, what the but then it, like, yeah, it was like uncomfortable laughter I was having. I was like, uh, "What are you doing?" No, that that does make sense to me because at that point you really know nothing. You don't even know he's Father Pruitt. You know nothing about the yeah, vampires. Yeah. So I I was still treating it as like a grounded show, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he he kind of just believes." in god that much that he would be like oh yeah i i think it so it's going to happen that sort of thing and then that does happen and you're like oh shit okay (laughs) this this show has some (laughs) juice yeah it it does and like you don't even i love how the show just like it takes its time with explaining things to where you will like yeah early on you think maybe these are fucking miracles maybe something like who knows what's going on and then you come to learn why these people are being healed and that's like holy shit that reveal i just can't get over that reveal can't give it a 10 though because it killed a lot of uh a lot of cats i didn't like that oh yeah yeah that was a lot of dead cats Dude, that, I mean, it's just such a strange, yeah, sight to see all these dead cats on the beach. Like, it's like, damn, when have you ever, you haven't seen that in any other movie or show, though. Like, the imagery that the show brings, like, you know, it's 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 unique for sure. You have to talk about the ending of, end, of fucking episode six. That's like, for a lot of people, that's probably the biggest part of the show, honestly. And you could argue yeah, it is, that... is the fucking reveal. That whole ending, like that last 20 minutes in the church... When the father, when Father Paul is trying to like ease these people into the idea of like, okay, so here's what's been going on this whole time. Here's this fucking angel. I'm gonna have you drink all this poison, and you're gonna turn into a vamp. But that's not really he's really saying. It's just it's crazy. I love watching that, like seeing him trying to like ease them into it for eternal life. (laughs) Exactly. I felt so bad for the sheriff in that scene. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, because that that was heartbreaking. Son, drink the poison right in front of him. Like, there was a huge element of, like, um, what was the word? Fucking groupthink, just, like, mass. Oh, yeah. Half of them didn't drink it. Like, half of them were just as skeptical. With the whole miracle side of it, like, I feel like everyone wanted to believe it, and that's why they showed up to the church, but I think that would have been the breaking point for most people, where it's just like, oh, no, this is not for me at all, that sort of thing. But I, I really like that. I like how Father Pruitt, like he he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart. Like he thought, he, like it would actually, you know, bring salvation to the island. And he th- he thought that fucking it would save the people. I don't think he had the mass murder like going over to fucking the mainland and kill everyone and turn them into oh, vampires. No. I don't think he had that in mind at all. No, that was just like a bev thing. Fucking bitch. No, no. But <laughs> yeah. But that that whole scene was just so fucking yeah. Like you said, with him fucking killing 
what's his name Sturge with him drinking yep. the cup and yep. he's just holding him as he's going down and he's just like yeah just take it easy take it easy it'll be over soon I'm with give you. it five minutes I'm he'll be you. back yeah. <laughs> yeah oh man I, I love how drawn out that is as well like it doesn't feel like he comes back instantly at all and like no. it might have actually been exactly five minutes I think it was like all in real time it might have been but I, I really I really love that like how he's just dead and everyone's just like oh well, what what the fuck? He's dead. Like, do something about it. I mean, imagine placing yourselves, yeah, in the shoes of one of, like, the people in the pews just watching this. Like, what the fuck? It, like, you've been going to church this whole time. Everything's been normal as far as you're concerned. And, like, people mm. are getting healed and good stuff's happening. All of a sudden, you're watching some guy die right in front of you, and the next thing, a fucking fucked up angel demon thing shows up. That is the one jump scare in the show I absolutely fucking loved. Which when one? The sher- when the sheriff is about to leave the church, and you just see the angel... Like standing in the doorway. Yeah, I fucking love that. I yeah. I, th- I thought that sh- that that creeped me out genuinely. Like uh, like you know he's <clears throat> shrouded in darkness and it was kind of like, I think it was like the first full view you got of his head. Like you saw a lot of him, but like that yeah. was like the first full on shot of him. Mm. So it was, it was even more shocking that I, like you did see a lot of him like in earlier episodes, but that was like you know you see his face now, you see him up front. At this point, even calling it an angel is kind of like okay. It's not really an angel. It's obviously this dude. It? This, I, it's a vampire. So th- this, I guess, this is how this. That's actually what I like about the show is that you can view it as different things, and like they don't, they don't even use the word vampire in the show. So they don't really go into the depth of like what exactly is this. That's what I like about it. But what I, what I interpreted was that, and this is why I think the concept of the show is so fucking cool. Like, this is such a unique idea of fucking pr- an old priest going on this, like, sketchy route in some desert storm. He stumbles upon a cave. He finds a vampire, mistakes it for a fucking angel when in reality it's a vampire, and then gets infected with it. Because obviously, I mean, he gets burned by sunlight. He drinks on blood. Like, to me, this is obvious vampire stuff. I, I was only calling it an angel because they called it an angel. No, because, exactly. Like, they said exactly. that Bible verse where, yeah. you know, what was it the f- about the first angel or whatever? No, I just think it's a un- unique idea. It's like, what if this holy religious person stumbled across something supernatural like this and mistook it for an angel or like a being of God, obviously, and an thought it was a good thing? It. It, yeah, and thought it was a good thing and then brought it back to this island and introduced fucking vampires to this community through the guise of religion like to me that's such a unique idea and i thought that i thought that was like the clear-cut thing of the show like i thought that because in the end you know then the father paul is like when he finally realizes like this is fucked up he's like no we're wrong like this is wrong like i was like yeah dude this is not an angel it could be a fallen angel or a demon or something but to me i just thought it was a vampire like I like I said, it, it, he do, they do view it as an angel because it's it's his salvation, you know. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to bring, you know, like I said, like two or three fucking times already. He wanted to bring salvation back to the people of the island because he'd known them throughout his whole fucking life, and he knew them all in kind of an intimate, well, faith level, I suppose. Still, angels are scary though. Oh yeah, I no. Mean, in, biblically um, accurate angels are fucking yeah, terrifying. right. That's what, and that's why he was exactly. That's what he was saying to the people too. Like in oh, the yeah, Bible, yeah. you you they he was afraid when he saw the angel and all this stuff. That's why I thought it was so interesting, though. Like the fact that he he kept believing that this thing that was infecting all of them and like fucking 
sucking their blood and turning them into vampires was this good thing until the very end when everything's in chaos and he realizes no that's not actually what this was that that church massacre as well was kind of horrifying like in the, yeah. it was very fucking bleak in my opinion that whole church massacre is like such a schlocky concept like just in words but it's pulled off so artfully i think i mean like i said it is shot very kind of standard and it is like fucking horrifying to watch but in concept it is kind of a schlocky thing like oh yeah they all get turned into vampires and they kill everyone but like with all the fucking blood on the walls and like how uncontrollable everyone is father Pruitt got shot in the head and he came back to life. dude i was so speaking of that i was my first time watching i was so pissed when he got shot Bad. like yeah, I, was oh, I was like i was like yeah i know that he's like not doing the right thing right now but i loved him so much i don't want him to die so when he came back i was like so happy even though he's yeah. not completely you forget he's right a vampire. you know yeah exactly uh see man, what pissed but... me off is when bev came back to life <laughs> <laughs> yeah but dude wasn't that a satisfying like kind of momentary death when uh aaron just shot her mid-sentence like when she was like yeah like you can do whatever like you know this isn't gonna stop anything and, like bam just fuck off like yeah. the whole time that's what you've been wanting to see this whole time is this bitch get shot so like you gotta see it for a bit but um uh, but ben no, was giving off I, like Saint Maud vibes on that beach. I thought she was giving off Saint Maud vibes throughout the whole fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Speaking yeah. of Saint Maud, am I Show, the only one who am I am I the only one who thought of the ending of Saint Maud during Riley's death? I mean, at the end of Saint Maud, it's like it looks like this magical thing happening, and then it cuts straight to a fucking harsh like burning alive thing. Oh That's the no, same yeah, you're thing right. that happens with Riley's thing. death. Yeah. It did the same thing, and I was like, holy shit! I do not really like the um the very ending personally everyone burning alive i, I just kind of wanted other stories to be wrapped up a bit better only two that survived those kids and it's like whatever. are they the only two that survived or the only two we saw like at the end because i mean i mean we the rest the only two that survived. like it felt like it showed everyone burning alive the rest either burnt alive got killed or they can't get off the island because that is really disappointing all the all the, all, all, all the cell towers are down and all the boats were burned yeah. but i i liked it because again the whole death and rebirth thing and forgiveness and all that like that was a big thing in the last episode and also it's kind of like a thing of like oh yeah this these two kids are the island's future basically and i did really like the last line of the show i thought the last line of the show was what i can't feel my legs <laughs> Now, what the hell yeah. is that? Because even after my second watch, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why all of a sudden is her... Why is that gone? Why is her healing gone? Like The vampire died. Oh, so the fact Maybe that the that vampire the died? I, you're probably right. That's the only reason I yeah, could I possibly think. Because, like, when everyone drank the vampire's blood, everyone's illnesses were going away, and it was things were going great. So I guess that makes sense. After the vampire dies then maybe that's why it stabbed it stabbed its wings and it can't fly that well yeah i saw somebody online say that or some letterbox review say like oh so they thought it was a plot twist like oh so it was the island that was like healing everybody which no that is the stupidest shit. No, what <laughs> if that yeah they thought because like after the island started burning then that's why she couldn't feel her legs i i thought that was dumb because like well why wouldn't people start healing sooner then why all of a sudden um i i did really like the ending especially with them singing that hymn that oh yeah choked yeah. me up a little i'm not gonna lie i, I kind of choked yeah. up a little like people coming together in unity to be you know, we're, we're all going to die, we're all going to go to heaven, we still have our faith intact, that sort of thing. I That that, well, that got to me a bit. Fucking Raul Coley and his son didn't 
deserve to die. They had no reason no. to die. They weren't fucking Christian. <laughs> they had no reason to die, but I am glad that it ended the way it did. With also, Ali is fucking stupid. Time. By the way, because he he was he was buying into the idea of Christianity. Well, no, I know, know? I I know that, but like it's it's just shitty. From an outside perspective, from us, it obviously seems like how could the how could these people be so stupid? But if you put in your shoes, like if you're in their shoes, you're on the secluded island to where everybody kind of believes the same thing, and you're literally witnessing miracles happen before your eyes. It doesn't make sense to me why he would buy into everything so quickly like that. Mm. I mean, I guess he's a kid. He has kid brain, so maybe that's well, just it. I mean, that's why I, I think, honestly, he... I thought it was easing into that, because like early on, you know, yeah. like his son was like, when when they were doing the, you know, the Muslim prayer in like their room, he was kind of like not whole, fully into it, and then he was talking to his dad about about like oh i kind of want to go to mass and like and it was like it was like i said early on it was like planting the seeds it wasn't like all of a sudden like i'm a christian now like i feel like early on he had that doubt in him and he wanted to become a christian how often do you need to be shitty to your dad it, it yeah. felt like he, he was just shitty to him like the majority of the show <laughs> no he kind of was you're right like even from the get-go when they were buying drugs from that guy and he's like yeah fuck my dad does that way in here fuck him yeah. Like, I don't care. Those three kids, they look like they'd all be very good at TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sure, they just have that sure. look about them, Especially Dude, the I'm so... Kid. That's... They got the broccoli hair and everything. Yeah. No, I was like... <laughs> Dude, speaking of which, I was so glad. Because I think I had my doubts in the first episode as well. Because, like, it was following the kids for some reason. And I was the like, oh, no. The first episode was my least favorite, yeah. It was my. It was probably my least favorite too. It is even probably though, the worst overall. Even though I did appreciate it my second time, and I could clearly see like why everything was necessary to plant the seeds, it was just the slowest and most uninteresting for sure. But like, I was so glad that it wasn't following the kids for the majority of the time because that's what the first episode gave me the vibe of. I was like, are we are we gonna Stranger Things this? Are we gonna fucking like it this? You know, to where we're yeah. following the kids. But no, I'm glad it wasn't that. That would have sucked. But I will say, though, even though the first episode was my least favorite, I think the last episode was my second to least favorite. I'm not a big fan of the last one either, personally. It was, like, exciting and all, but, like, I actually, honestly, like, I came to enjoy the slower moments and the creepy dread and yeah. build of, the, like, the middle, the whole middle of the show That's was, what like, I'm saying, fucking yeah. gold. It was gold, yeah. I wish it stayed that way, but they needed that big climax, that big payoff in the end. So like, it does feel I like one it. of those just big kind of like last moments, like big action scene or like you know big vampire scene, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they threw that in there for the people that were complaining, like it's too much talking, it's too much, you know, monologues. Like they threw that big all here's all the action, here's all the fucking islands burning. You're seeing the vampire kill people and die. Like it feels like a zombie movie. Like toward and the I, end of yeah. it. it, it does. I think the payoff was earned. Honestly, I like that it ended the way that it did, especially thematically, like tying all the elements that we've gotten all along together, and yeah, just giving everything a payoff. I thought it worked well as that, but also, yeah, it was pretty bombastic and huge, which I was kind of apprehensive of, of at first. Like you said, it does feel like a zombie movie, especially like when they're moving about the town and then. The angel just go, goes into one of the houses and then the woman comes out <laughs> screaming or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, to me, it just didn't fit the tone of the show, the, the pace of the show or the vibe of the show. It just yeah. like, this feels like a whole different show by the end mm. of it. I felt like it fit the, the the show thematically because it, like, it is kind of action-packed, that last episode in a way. 
but it also gave me like a ton of fucking existential dread. Mm. The, the impending fucking sun, like that—that mm. that was enough to make me go like, "Oh yeah!" Like they—they they all have like a set death. Yeah, like, they're not going to survive this. There's no shelter whatsoever. Like all they have to do is just like spend the last moments like together as like a community. And kind of just go through it, I suppose. And I do love, even though it's only like like you're saying about like planting seeds and stuff, the relationship between Father Pruitt and Mildred, like the mm. way that was just suddenly sprung upon you in the last episode, <laughs> yeah. that also made me like a bit emotional. That's when probably you're the best part of the last episode for me. It was. It's kind of the heart, honestly. Like even though it wasn't like it wasn't there the entire show, it kind of felt like the heart of the show in the end. Well, yeah, because it's like it's it's like you finally find out his reason for doing everything that he did, and it's like oh. Wow, that's sad. Yeah, and it is he, fucking he was sad. Yeah, it's he was really he was sad. visiting her since like the very first episode. Yeah, yeah, giving her like the private sacraments and everything. Like he would always make sure she was getting the fucking blood to like turn her yeah, young every day. I, I also love the line that th- that he said about like, oh yeah, um, it it didn't feel like a sin bringing our daughter into this world, even though she mm. was cheating on him. I mm. loved that line so much. I thought that was like a beautiful fucking line. And it says a lot about Father Pruitt's character. Like, it said early on, like, oh yeah, I've heard rumors that, like, Father Pruitt's slept around a lot, so it would be... It's Joe Colley that says it, like, directly yeah. to Father right Pruitt's killed, face. Right like, oh yeah, he's killed, yeah. He's like, yeah. I heard he wasn't the most celibate. Joe needs to learn to shut his mouth sometimes. <laughs> he does. Even though I feel like he wouldn't have made it out of that situation alive anyway, because he was clearly, like... The vampire instincts overtook him. He's like, I need blood. And it looked like, not to go way back randomly to that one moment, but it looked like he didn't even purposely kill Joe Colley. I thought he just accidentally like broke away and I he fell think back he did. and died. I think he did. He was, look- he was looking no. behind him like beforehand, like at know. the corner of the thing, so that he knew that he would like drop on that. Why would he, when he knew he was gonna, he could like just bite into his neck or his arm or whatever, you know? Well, he doesn't want to alarm him. He wants him to, like, you know, hit his head, be quiet, and then he can go to town. No, that's actually a good point from, <laughs> like, no, Keelan, I know you were, the point you just made made me think, why wouldn't he just, like, while he was holding onto him, why wouldn't he bite his neck right there? That makes me think, well, like, yeah, he was he resisting the urge. Yet another thing that's open to interpretation, whether or not he meant so, yeah. to kill him or not. For me, I still interpret it as he accidentally broke away and fell and bashed his head. He didn't look shocked. But he didn't, like, dive for the blood either. He didn't, like, go headfirst into the blood. He kind of, like, was, like, examining it and, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start tasting this. And then it's just such a rich, fucking rich show in every way, like, for me. Like, in terms of its all of its characters, its writing, I really loved it. I feel like I can just get more and more out of it every time I go back to it. But yeah, I guess we could do closing thoughts and stuff. Well, I guess since I recommended it, I'll go first. But like, yeah, so yeah, um, it's kind of put a lot of faith in Fl- Mike Flanagan for me. Like, like you discussed your relationship with Mike Flanagan before you started, but I didn't really say much. Like, I love Doctor Sleep, the director's cut specifically. I like Hush, don't like Gerald's Game. Those are the only th- three things I've seen from him. But I really fucking love Midnight Mass. I don't think I can go quite perfect yet because those first few episodes were shaky for me at first mm. but i did i do like how it started in hindsight but right now i'm feeling a 9 out of 10 which is like very very high for a show like i don't really give 10s to that many shows but yeah mm. i thought it was a very special show and it is i i don't rewatch shows that much but this feels like something I could revisit with like a friend or someone who's never seen it before or just on my own to get more out of it because 
I, I feel like I'm going to be thinking about it for the next couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Well, I'll add on to that and say that even though, yeah, my relationship as well with Mike Flanagan is very hit or miss. Like, like I've said, I've, I've only liked maybe half his movies out of all of his stuff and then maybe half of his shows. But this really restored a lot of my faith as well. This gave me a, a way more respect for him after watching it. I'm really glad that you recommended it because I feel like this is a show I would have just put off forever because of those doubts and everything even a couple episodes in still having like trepidations about it i was like very hesitant to even think this was a good show but by the end of it the end of it and the payoffs and re-watching it even for a second time and seeing everything that was planned out and just how well everything was woven together this is like honestly i'm not even gonna hesitate to call it one of like my new favorite shows i'm gonna give it a 10 out of fucking 10 Dude, I'm going to give this a fucking 10. For me, this is the best thing Mike Flanagan has ever done and probably will ever do. Like, I don't know how he can top this. It just felt like so tightly woven, so perfect. Everything is necessary. I connected with the characters. I don't know. And it was just so unexpected. Like I said, go into this fucking show blind. Well, if you're listening to this now, you didn't. (laughs) But like, but I hope people go into the show blind because like it is so rewarding in the end, like not knowing what is going to happen. And then it makes you want to go back and experience it again. I'm going to be thinking about it for a while. And yeah, I I loved it. I did really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm glad you recommended it. I did get something out of it, definitely. I think it's a really, really good show. I would only give it a 7 out of 10, personally. It has too many problems with the horror and it lost a bit of the characterization that I was really enjoying. It doesn't really, like paint Mike Flanagan in a different light for me or anything. I do respect a lot of the things that he was doing with this. I think that he's like, like he's really good at coming up with ideas like this. Like the idea of Midnight Mass is really, really good, but it's just some of the execution I'm not a huge fan of. But yeah, it is a really good show and I would recommend it, definitely. It has a lot to love about it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, positive, um, positive recommend all around from, yes. yeah, no, no, yeah, yes. Hell yeah. Dude, this that it, didn't turn out horribly. That was a good discussion. Dude, I was afraid. I, I was afraid that both me and Liam like wouldn't like it and then we would just like be like, "Oh god, we got to get through this fucking episode." But no, I'm so glad. I had a feeling that like you both yeah. would like it, but I felt like I wasn't going to like it at all, but I did. So I'm so good. glad. Cat in background, cat in background. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Your cat's in the background. Oh shit. I didn't even see. The level of planning and like story beats throughout the show makes me want to go back and rewatch Haunting of Hill House, hopefully in a better light. Like it literally makes me want to give that whole show another chance because I didn't love either of the haunting shows. I really didn't love either of them. And it makes me want to watch his new show, the what is it? The How the Fall yeah. of the House of Usher. Fall of the I want to watch Usher. that too now. He has another show that isn't as well received called The Midnight Club, I think. Which is kind of more, like, teen-focused. I think Heather Langenkamp's in it. I think that's the only thing I know about it. But, yeah, he did that a couple years ago. And it was meant to get a second season, but it was cancelled because not enough interest. But it feels like limited series are his strong suit. From from what I've heard. Yeah, and I want to see more, honestly. Like, I hope he sticks with this type of formula you know because like honestly his movies haven't blown me away the fact like as much as this has all right well let's get into listener questions okay i've got a couple of questions here from campo.reviews where does this rank among his other projects talking about mike flanagan at the top 
Oh yeah, the at the top. At the top. The top. It's totally at the top. Honestly, just the most well thought out and well written and well performed thing he's ever done. Like it just is. Um, I, I really hope oh, his absolutely. movies blow me away like more in the future. Because I, I, I want to see more movies from him as well. Like I can't watch a limited series back to back like this. His next movie has a, quite an interesting cast. No, it's a drama. It's based on a Stephen King book. It's called The Life of Chuck. And it's just a story told in the reverse, starting with the end of Ch- Chuck Krant's life. Moving back in time to show how he lived that life. There's Tom Hiddleston, Mark Hamill, Shibatel Ejiofor, Karen Gillan, Jacob Tremblay, Matthew Lillard, Heather Langenkamp, David Desmalkian, uh, K- Kate Siegel, obviously, because she's his wife. Be- Bev fans ri- rise up, Samantha Sloyan's in it too. Oh, yeah! And Raul Coley. <laughs> Let's go! Oh, shit. We're gonna see Bev in a movie? Hell yeah. <laughs> No, I, Kate Siegel is definitely an actress like I've come to like because of his stuff as well, even though I don't love like a lot of stuff she's in. Like the first thing I saw her in was Hush, and I thought for playing like a mute, she was like yeah. really good. And she was great in Midnight Mass. But yeah, and the other question, which I don't even want to read from him, but I'm going <laughs> to, is uh, how much would how much better would this be if it had Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Dude. He knows I don't like hearing about um, those bruh. fucking two. Bruh. bruh. No, I I, I, I I could see it if you cast Travis as Riley and then Taylor as Aaron. I think that could work. Moving on to movies that don't suck. He asked, is Mike Flanagan the goat of horror right now? No. I'm sorry to say, no. but even after Midnight Mass, he's not the goat of horror. I do like that he is kind of like an, a horror auteur. Yeah. I don't like that word, but I like that he is respected in the world of horror because he does seem like a genuinely nice guy like he works with like the exact same cast so that Mm kind of says a lot about like how he approaches like his sets and directing and stuff so that's cool at least even if you don't like his directing yeah and he's really passionate about horror he's passionate about stephen king he adapts a lot of his work he's like he found his niche of horror it's just not it's not the most bottom of the barrel horror it's not perfect it's not bottom of the barrel like a, a lot of blumhouse stuff but it's not top tier like a lot of i don't know i mean i'm just saying like a24 a24 (laughs) i don't know i don't know who the goat of horror is right now but like mike flanagan is a solid he's a good mid horror director he's not bad he's not the best though he found his niche he's good but the goat of horror is john carpenter well, yeah, I guess if we're talking, like, of all time. But, like, right now, I don't I mean, know. I mean, goat means greatest of all time. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Fuck. What, why do you say the goat of horror right now? That's, like, a con- that's a contradiction. Thing. I mean, I, pro- I probably would have a different answer, but at the top of my head, John Carpenter is what I think of. John Carpenter, of Wes Craven, Toby Hooper. You can name all the fucking iconic horror people, but um, Mike Flanagan is solid. David Gordon Green. Oh God, no! But if <laughs> we're being on. serious, the 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 goat of horror right now, I would honestly say is either Ari Aster or Robert Eggers, and I'm not even just yeah. like I know it's fucking basic as shit, but it, they've been inventive with their horror, I think. So they have Brin's Brian's World, Brin's World. He, I guess it wasn't a question, but he said one of the most beautiful and tragic endings ever. Yeah, it was yeah, bittersweet. Good. I mean, I guess it's an ending. Three questions from Julia, moving underscore underscore picture. Do vampires dream of electric sheep? Do they sleep at all? Probably not. Um, not much. Would you ever want to be a vampire? Why or why not? Yes. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't because it'd be very uh, inconvenient. Like, I can only go out at night. 
you get like you know a lot sexier though that's that is true. true and you can fly i have seen interview with the vampire that does happen julia said what what do you think is Mike Flanagan's greatest strength in storytelling and weakness? They're one and the same. I literally think it's the writing and the monologues. I think it's both his strength and his weakness. You know? Because, like, there's monologues, like I said, in this show that just are amazing. And they're just, like, um, I want them. They can go on and on. And it's, like, it's such good writing. It's such good performances. And it's, like, man, this is really just great character building and, and, and just TV moments. And then there's other fucking... But then, like I said, it can also be a weakness. Like, those... Sometimes there is scenes that do seem indulgent and do seem cheesy. And so it's just, you know, you take what you can get. Some are hit or miss. One thing um, I did, like, really so love, think... though, about that scene, um, like, one of the first ones where they go to the um, AA meeting and, like, Father yeah. Paul's, like, saying to him, you know, like, nope, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> that's bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like, he's trying to take... Um, control of the situation yeah. and stuff, but he seems so like awkward doing it. It really makes you wish you knew that character and like wish you could talk to that character at the same time. No, I was just gonna, yeah, his biggest strength I think is his character writing. I think is, is no, especially in Midnight Mass. I, I actually can't really say much about Gerald's Game or Hush. I haven't seen those in years, but like I wasn't a huge fan of them. But like his character mm-hmm. writing in Midnight Mass was so, so effective. Like even in the last episode, we're already in spoilers, so I'm just gonna say when like. <laughs> There's there's that guy. No, I think I already talked about it, but there's that guy Sturge is like, oh, he was nice to me. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of like oh, that yeah. guy he turned. And it was like, <laughs> there's a testament to his character writing. He's on screen for like one minute and it's like, I like that guy. He's a really yeah. cool character. What would you say weakness though? Like the cheesy dialogue's a good one, but I'd, I'd want it to come is. up with a more interesting one. I think his structure is my biggest problem quite a lot mm. of the time. So I do find it really, really generic and obvious like where things are gonna mm. go kind of it, it's also yeah, like the that's, monologues that's the monologues do get to me sometimes i don't like all of them he, he has a very surface level uh, approach to horror in a lot of ways like when i watch hush or when i watch oculus or when i watch any of his other movies like even doctor sleep in a way like to me it's all very surface level and i just i wish there was more depth and more risks being taken to what he does and that's why i thought this was a refreshing it'll make me more eager to watch anything he puts out me too honestly going forward i think why it took me so long to watch midnight mass is because i had such like a kind of low opinion on his movies and then after i watched the director's cut of doctor sleep i was like oh wait this is this is really good he knows what he's doing so it's kind of more open to watching midnight mass i think and yeah it's made me be like i think i'm a kind of a fan of mike flanagan if he has more stuff on this level you can just tell he's grown a lot like he's grown over time from his like filmmaking and his like storytelling honestly like i think he's getting honestly he could be getting better and better like that's the direction i see i see it going so i'm excited too yeah i want to check out his latest show see if it's as good that was the last of the questions. Yes. Yep, I'll get on to the next topics. It actually is a discography episode, because I know you did oh, a music... Yeah, it is. Um, I know that you did a music episode recently, Liam, but I had another one in mind as well, because I don't do these a lot. I don't do music episodes a lot, but I figured it was time. It's one of my favorite bands at this point. They only have five albums, so you may have heard already some of them. So if you've already heard some of them, then enjoy the re-listens if you haven't heard them yet then i'm jealous because i, I wish ho- i could I go back who you're gonna say and listen i hope it's who you're gonna say 
I've been getting back into some rock and metal recently. These guys are just like none other. They're so unique. They're so fucking good. But I want us to talk about one of my favorite bands at this point, System of a Down. I want us to talk about System of a Down. No, I, I've oh, been listening oh. to them a lot lately, and I've been like just obsessively like re-listening and going back. I don't know why I've suddenly uh, went back to them, but I, I would love to talk about them because they're such a unique band, and uh, yeah. it's a shame they're not together anymore making music, but those five albums are just fucking gold, and I, just, I would love to talk about them. Yeah. No, yeah, but uh, I just thought it'd be a nice little, only five albums there, and man, are they fucking, like, you'll just blow through them, I feel like. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I figured now is better time than ever, because I've been really into their stuff lately, so... Listen to System of a Down, people, for the next episode. I guess that's it. So you can find me at Views by Quinn on all the social medias. You can find the link tree. You can find me at Movies, Music, Me on most things. Check the link tree and you'll find it all. Same, bro. You can find me on the link tree. Check the description and interact with the poll, too. All right, and that's about it. So peace out, bitches! Go drink some blood.